0: live from the heartland and the crossroads of america
1: it's tony katz today yeah this is a form of warfare and we saw this once before in the 1980s when you had the iran iraq war you had what was called the tanker war And what was happening is iran was seeking to drive up the insurance rates because if you can't have insurance for these vastly expensive tankers you're not going to sail where you don't have insurance and so let there be no mistake what we're seeing right now is the houthi rebels are a proxy of the islamic republic of iran they're using weaponry supplied by the people's republic of china uh, and our response has been underwhelming which is why it keeps happening steve One last important thing is unless we go to the source and do like we did in 1988 with Operation Praying Madness, which I was a part of the planning of the year before in the Reagan administration, unless we go to the source and exact pressure directly on Iran, this will continue. Now, I I think it's important that that your viewers understand that Iran has a communications command control and intelligence ship in the Red Sea right now that is coordinating these uh, illegal attacks against international shipping. And of
0: course they're illegal attacks. That's Chuck DeVore, friend of the show, a very, very good guy from the Texas uh, Public Policy Institute, discussing these attacks from the Houthi rebels in the Red Sea. These attacks are going without response from the United States. There is now in an operation called Operation Prosperity Guardian. This isn't the United States responding. This is some conglomeration of nations, Britain, Bahrain, Canada, France, Italy, Netherlands, Norway, Seychelles, and Spain, a 39-nation combined maritime force to try and stop the Houthi rebels, who are Iran, to try and stop them from taking these cargo ships, and these, and, and these oil ships and basically controlling the seas it doesn't matter your air force it doesn't matter your military navy will always matter and there is no amount of technology that will replace the aircraft carrier deep blue Tony Katz, Tony Katz today 833-468-8669 833, got Tony let me say it again All the technology in the world, you can utilize a lot of it to replace your Air Force and engage drone technology. You can use a tremendous amount of technology to deal with fighting on the ground. You have to allow for ships to pass, and that involves other ships with guns pointed. Aircraft carriers change the advantage, and the United States and their aircraft carrier capability is stunning. China is desperately trying. They're growing. They're building. They can go deep blue. They figured out ski jump technology, which is how the plane uh, takes off from, from the deck. They don't have the configuration capability of the United States, nor are they experts in landing. Landing a moving plane on a moving boat is what they call in the business not easy. But without a Navy to ensure the safety of the seas, you don't have Safety. That's why here, while we certainly don't talk about it daily, we talk about the need for over 300 ships. We're not there. We need to be better, faster, quicker. That's why when we talked about uh, the USS Baham Richard in San Diego and that fire that broke out, that was set. And because they were doing repairs on the ship, they were not able to close off sections to keep the fire contained. It took the ship. Billions of dollars in damage. This thing is done. That is a massive hit to our Navy. We need to re-up our Navy. We need to re-up our Navy well. And now. And we have allowed ourselves to be attacked by these Houthi rebels. The Houthi rebels are supported by Iran. It's a proxy. This has been going on in Yemen, a proxy war between Iran and and Saudi Arabia. This is a Sunni-Shia conversation vis-a-vis Islam. But they have been trained, they have been armed, and they have been taking ships. You now have uh, shipping groups like Maersk, M-A-E-R-S-K, completely rerouting because of what's going on in the red sea and you have the absolute recognition that this is a total embarrassment for the united states now that's always a very double-edged sword i don't know what sometimes people mean by embarrassment except that they want to be able to possibly write that the United States is embarrassed or should be embarrassed uh, because they they think it's going to get them a click or or it's going to make some kind of uh, of movement. I think it is a, a, a bit different. In what society does one allow Iran via a proxy to decide for the United States how the seas work? On what planet is this allowed when Iranian uh, rebel ships were, were, were trying to take those uh, in the Straits of Hormuz, whether it's oil tankers or what have you? How could we have just sat by and allowed it for a second if only to stop it to be able to show and remind that U.S. dominance is real? What is the win in not doing anything? that's a worthy question. And if one wants to argue that that is the humiliation, that's fine. Rich Lowry tries to make this argument over at National Review. Uh, It's not that he's wrong in in content. I think we, we, we need to have a bigger conversation. The Biden administration is the humiliation. This willingness to let it happen But let's be clear. There are also people on the political right who are totally fine with these kinds of things. I believe we should arm Ukraine. I don't mind giving them bullets and I don't mind giving them tanks. I do mind throwing good money after bad. I do mind not knowing where the money is going. And I sure as bloody heck mind the idea that somehow I'm going to pay for somebody's retirement fund i don't pay for retirement funds in ukraine i pay to ensure veterans from the united states have a place to live when we have housed the last homeless veteran that we can house then we can talk about ukraine but not a second before But if the question is, do we send them bullets to keep fighting off the Russians and keep a stalemate alive? Yes, because I think a stalemate is good for the United States and it hurts Russia. And that's better for us, I believe, in the long run. For that mathematics, I will get called a neocon. And my answer is these people can kiss my neocon. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. I said that wrong, producer Jason. I said they could kiss my neocon. I meant my neocon ass. That's, that's see, you see what I did there? See, I got, now, the fact that I'm not a neocon is inconsequential to these people who are going to call me a neocon. What does it matter? I have put forth a theory. And the rationale for my theory is that I think it's better to keep Russia disrupted. I think it's more valuable. And certainly... I want them in the world to see that, look, we could just hand them bullets. Here you go, he go. He. We could do this all day. What, you, th- you think this is a you think this is a problem for us? This is nothing for us. Absolutely, positively, nothing for us. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be a fool. We could just keep this going and going and going. That's how we should be handling the seas. We do not allow other nations to set the rules. Because it does have an effect. It does have an effect on, well... Everything. It has an effect on how we deal with other nations. It has an effect on how other nations see us. These things matter. We should be showing... That simply, you can't screw with us. It's not, you're not even time. We'll take you out, we'll take you out, we'll take you out, boom, bop, bip. But to do that, you need willpower. You need willingness. You need a trained military to do it. Why aren't we doing it? And how come on the political right, I haven't heard outrage on this subject? Is it because... Just like Ukraine, oh, what does that matter? That's not our problem. What, are we going to get involved in another war? Don't be silly. I think that the people who are, are completely unwilling uh, in, in, in the conversation of Ukraine and these other places have bought into a, uh, a, a, a lack of morality and are now phrasing it somehow as uh, valuable to the United States. We're not going to spend our blood and our treasure like that. That's just not what we do. We're more interested in saving lives. That's what they say. That's what they say. I'm not with them. And I think that there is as much happening here regarding the political right as there is the political left. Because with the political left, you have to be talking about Joe Biden. And the answer is they aren't moving on these things, in my view, because they don't want to be seen as showing some level of what support for Israel. Now, I know there's this New York Times piece, this polling over there at at The Times, where The Times wants to say, you see, Biden is having problems connecting Because young people think he's too supportive of Israel. And Jim Garrity writes about this. And and, and you take a look at at where that that position is uh, and and how this is an issue. It's like 1%. But the New York Times wants to phrase it as look at the big problem that Biden has uh, regarding the Middle East. See, I think that the problem is, is that the, the polling itself doesn't actually do a strong enough job in explaining how much of a problem this is. Biden ha- does have a Middle East problem. And to say that he doesn't or to say that it's small, with all due respect, I think is laughable. Never mind the fact that the New York Times may or may not be able to, be able to do a proper poll. But I, if you were to, to try and convince me that movement or lack thereof uh, is is just because of generalized incompetence, it's certainly possible, right? Uh, what is this? Godwin's law? Wa- is it Godwin's? No, it's not Godwin's law. It's Hanlon's razor. Um, Hanlon's razor is never put uh, to malice. What can we put to stupidity? Godwin's law is that the longer an internet conversation goes, uh, the opportunity for a mention of Hitler approaches one. Right. It's 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 eventually going to to to, to come up. Sometimes it's just stupidity, and not malice. And certainly it's possible that the reason the Biden administration doesn't ensure that the seas are are navigable is because they are incompetent. I put forth to you that there is a calculus at play, in my view, because Biden is not strong on Israel. I'm sick and tired of hearing that one that he is not making movement, not engaged in action, because it might be seen as supportive of Israel. And I am stunned not by the fact that Joe Biden is a coward and will kowtow to the progressives who support Hamas, which makes up, of course, large swaths of his party, whether it be Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Andre Carson, Jamal Bowman, Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, etc., I mean, that's just, that's just fact. But I am amazed that there has been such silence on the right. We're letting this happen? But the answer is, when you are unwilling to project the strength, when you're unwilling to say, yeah, we can handle this, well, when you think that that is a, a vice, not a virtue, you won't do it. And I think, therefore, it becomes a problem. Tony we can't afford to do everything I wholeheartedly agree but what about what we can afford to do and we should afford to do what about what we can afford to do and we should afford to do we're having a whole foreign policy conversation aren't we aren't we the Houthi rebels cannot be in charge because Iran cannot be in charge they can't be in charge they gotta get smacked down I'm just wondering when we're going to start smacking. And I wonder why some people are so afraid of opening up their hand and delivering one right across the face. Where does that get us? I'm not saying that everybody should look like a nail if you are indeed a hammer. I'm asking, can we not even be strategic? Have we given that up? And what do we actually win? What do we gain? How are we better? I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. In Chicago, I'm a little late to this story, I I know, and I apologize. Uh, The mayor, Brandon Johnson, uh, uh, a uh, communist... What? 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 I think I said it right. He wants to put an end to basically gifted and talented programs. Uh, He wants to put an end to classes where kids are able to get ahead because they have a skill set. Why? Because that would be equity. Anyone who doesn't understand that DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, is about hate. It hates the student. It hates the self. It doesn't want people to get ahead.
2: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: Getting ahead is in and of itself bigotry. So you've got, you know, while you've got a terrible system in in, in Chicago, you've got 11 selective enrollment high schools where kids who are better at pick, pick their, their academics go. And Brandon Johnson said when he was running for mayor that he, he wasn't going to touch these things. And now they are going to uh, move as they've approved a resolution that would eliminate the opportunity to test into the high-achieving schools. The transformational strategic plan, oh, holy hell, requires students to attend high schools within their neighborhoods, So the whole top performing schools thing is over. So the kids who have the ability uh, to do more and be pushed, they don't do more. They don't get pushed. DEI is bigotry. That's what it is. James O'Keefe with the story regarding IBM and through their group Red Hat, explaining how whiteness works. These are actual slides. Blindness. White people don't know what we don't know. So what we do get carefully taught is what's passed down. Lies and omissions of the truth get equal billing in what we are taught. And that blindness leads to power. White is the default. Everything else exists in proximity to it. Whiteness constructs the game, hides the rules, then rigs the game over and over again. And that leads to divide and conquer. Spaces are determined by race. Those spaces focus inward. Non-white spaces are easily othered and then judged accordingly. This is, this is what gets taught in, 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 in school. So what's been under the microscope, they say? Black behaviors and black culture and black history and black oppression and black celebrity and black art and black stories. But what's the real problem? White judgment and white theft and white history and white supremacy and white allowance and white elitism and white censorship. And oh, holy hell. Oh, holy hell. This is what they teach. This is what's going on in in, in corporations. And this is what's going on in the classroom. Remember, we take a look at Harvard. 17% down in their admissions, by the way. Because now people realize, "Eh, it's not a place I want to go that's that's the truth who would want to go a school run by a professional bigot in Claudine Gay she was trained to do this she was, she was hired for this purpose you go back to her work as dean of faculty read Christopher Ruffo in City Journal just to get an idea a primer of everything we've been talking about and now in Chicago we can't have high performing schools that's bigotry can't have kids uh, actually excelling in math, can you? This is Tony Katz today.
2: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: The border is the top story in America. We only talk about it all the time. Everything we did last week with Border Week, presented by Americans for Prosperity, talking about the, the issues with uh, the wall, what people don't understand about it, the, the factors that, that pull people to the United States, the policy failures in multiple areas. And, and most importantly, that you can't get Congress to come together on this. You can't get people to come to the table. That there's far more of an interest when it comes to the border in having the problem than in solving the problem. But the problem is we're the ones dealing with it. We deal with the fentanyl. We deal with the the economic disaster. And now what we're seeing over these last weeks in places we don't normally see them like Lukeville, Arizona and places throughout where it's much harder to get to. We are seeing massive surges, so much so that rail service to these ports of entry have now been stopped. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. Griff Jenkins joins us from uh, FoxNews.com, who's been covering the border before anybody even thought it was cool to do. He's in D.C. right now where he's been uh, gathering the information and speaking to his sources uh, on the ground. I do want to get into this Lukeville situation because it's just, it's not a name you hear about. It's not a place you talk about when it comes to the border. But lately, we're talking about the past 72, 96 hours. This has been a surreal amount of people. What is it that Border Patrol is experiencing?
3: So, Tony, thanks for having me because it is so important to be talking right now. I have been covering along with my colleague Bill Malusion for years now, uh, and certainly in the last two plus years of this, what border patrol agents tell me is an unmitigated disaster on the border but but today when you see on fox the shots from eagle pass texas where they have and i was just there for 10 days just came back to washington hopefully get the lawmakers in this town to pay a little bit of attention you've got a situation where they have never experienced this in a single day ever This administration, Tony, and I'm not one given for hyperbole, but this administration is allowing the Border Patrol to be pushed to a breaking point the likes of which they've never seen. In Eagle Pass, under that bridge, all those migrants, they told me this morning they've got 4,500 plus that are being processed and transported to a facility called Firefly, intended to house just under 2,000, they've already got 5,300 in custody there. The number of Border Patrol agents on the ground there dealing with that on this shift this morning is 20. You got 10,000 migrants that are having to be dealt with by 20 agents. That's 200 to 1 and worse. The capacity in that facility is 260% over which means they can't go into the giant temporary tents they built. They're stuck in the overflow yard at the facility where they're trying to deal with them, to transport them, process them, and ultimately send them somewhere else, most of which will be released into the U.S. with a notice to appear with a court date years from now, and that's going to be increasingly accelerated in in the next coming days because it's not just an eagle pass where I was you mentioned lukeville in lukeville they're getting hammered in the last 24 hours across the entire southwest border i reported this this morning there was more than twelve thousand six hundred migrant encounters the highest number ever hit the previous one set last week was twelve thousand three hundred they've now topped that by three hundred more In Lukeville, Arizona, which is part of the Tucson sector, last 24 hours, more than 3,000 there. And most of those aren't from countries like Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, where we typically have been dealing with them. They're from Africa. These are people that take an enormously larger amount of effort to process because they're coming from so far away when they're from places like Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, Iran, Russia, they're special interest migrants, which means they get a secondary uh, uh, probe to see if they're a match to the terror screening database, and they have to be detained, but there's no place to hold them. So they're literally just being held in, in, in a field where you're seeing it. This, this is a breaking point that is far beyond sustainable, and it's only getting worse with more and more coming, why is that? Well, the reason is because the transnational criminal organizations or cartels realize how much of a breaking point this is and they're exploiting our vulnerabilities, all because this administration's policies that have brought this on us. And so today is unlike any other day. We've seen it day after day become a crisis but today is is the worst of all the days. So imagine you had a two and a half year bad situation. Well, it's the worst today than it was ever. Eagle Pass, Texas, Lukeville, Arizona, you pointed out exactly correctly, Tony. These are tiny little areas that didn't see this. In December of twenty twenty-two, last year, there was barely six hundred. 700 tops migrant encounters in either of those places. Now you're looking at a daily average of 3,000
0: plus on the Eagle Pass right now. And this, you got upwards of 5,000 that just crossed. And this, Griff, is exactly the, the question. Talking to Griff Jenkins uh, uh, of Fox News, someone saw this. These people aren't crossing in these areas by accident. It, 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 it seems obvious to those of us who 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 are not as connected as you are even, uh, that people are crossing specifically because these areas are easier places to cross or have more opportunity to get people into the country. So the question is, who's informing these people to cross in these spots?
3: Without a doubt. This is as organized as uh, uh, assembly line driven with Amazon efficiency, I would tell you, by the cartels by the tcos and i will say because i, I do have so many contacts in mexico I, I feel it's important to point out it's not true that mexico is just looking the other way they have tried but their M, which is mexico's version of the border patrol they're out of money they literally ran out of money because the crisis has so broken them they're done. There's very little they can even do if they wanted to. Now, there is some fair criticism that there's a lack of will in, in, in knocking it down in Mexico, but it's not entirely a lack of will. But what's happened now, because the crisis has gone on for so long, they're out of resources altogether, so they can't help us even if they wanted to. And so that's allowed on the Mexican side for the migrants to be completely organized and controlled by cartels because they're at their at their whim and most of them have traveled for months and have been robbed or they're out of money they're poor they're completely at the disposal of the cartels so of course they're going to go exactly where they should go but here's the problem and it's what my friend a mexican independent journalist Auden cabello calls it the selfie factor at the end of the day for the crisis we're talking about draining so many resources all of these migrants most of them you saw in in, in these drone photos as soon as they crossed into the u.s they took a selfie sent it back to family and friends who were thinking about making that trip put it on facebook the message sent to those behind them that'll soon be coming it said come on i made it i got across the finish line You can too. It's like me running a marathon, knowing you want to run the marathon, Tony. And you knew I wasn't in great shape, but I finished it. And I'm standing there with my medal smiling ear to ear saying, I did it. You can
0: too, Tony. Come on. Talking to Griff Jenkins from Fox News Channel, uh, co-anchor of Fox News Live there on, on weekends. We keep hearing from the administration that uh, the border is not in crisis, and they're fixing a broken system. Um, you uh, writing about this, talking about how migrant encounters is just a few days ago. Top ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, ten thousand people in in a a single day. This is all happening right now as the prologue to the Republicans in the House. Talk about your work there uh, in in D.C. and in the Senate saying we're not going to engage any Ukraine funding until there's border funding. You have James Lankford of Oklahoma, uh, the senator leading part uh, of of that charge. Is there resolve amongst Chuck Schumer and the Democrats to accept the idea that money is going to have to flow to the border because this situation is seen by the American people and polling and other things as wholly untenable? yeah
3: I look there is I think it's fair to say, Tony, there is undoubtedly now a recognition on Capitol Hill, from Chuck Schumer in the Senate to Democrats all across the House that are recognizing, you know what, to heck with how this affects the 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 president and my fellow Democrat incumbent in his polls. I'm not going to get reelected if I do nothing. And it's clear that the only thing that is going to offset the inaction of the federal government is going to be some congressional resolve. And you know I think that once Republicans were willing to die on the hill of Ukraine funding for something to be done, you're look you're starting to see, the contours of an actual Senate bill, which you know, uh, of course, does the funding. And look, even with a priority on mass releases, you still need more agents because I just gave you the two hundred to one twenty agents dealing it's with a frightening of migrants. But 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 here's the here's the rub, and this is the point: even if the contours of a Senate bill are starting to come with a higher level uh, threshold for credible fear factor for asylum all the way. Uh, to, to, to mass deportations and, and all of that and, and faster asylum hearings, you're still dealing with the House Republicans who passed this H.R. 2, which is way farther than the Senate will. So ultimately, you're going to have this, well, we tried and we couldn't get there, which has been the history of any kind of immigration reform in Washington for the last two decades. And so I have little faith that they're going to get anything done even if they passed a senate bill that it can pass the house right now and that's just unfortunate for the country it's facing a national security threat not my words that's what basically every border patrol officials told me for the last year and a half but it's also a uh, uh, dreadful news for those men and women in green of the border patrol from texas through arizona to california that are just exhausted and overwhelmed dealing with this crisis knowing there's real
0: no sign of things changing anytime soon before i let you go a real really quick you talk about possibly not seeing movement in, in in the house you've got representative henry Cuellar, democrat from texas who's been very clear that we need more work done on the border you have people talking about the border in terms of the, the citizenry there's no pressure on those uh, Democrat members uh, of the House to try and 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 make a move here. No pressure coming from the people when you see th- your reporting, this kind of reporting, two hundred to no, one. I think you're,
3: I think you're right. I, I think there's I think there's great pressure, and it's even growing on Democrats like Henry Cuellar, who's tried to walk the fine line and has called uh, for for more to be done. But 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 at the end of the day. You have to recognize there is a progressive Hispanic caucus in in Congress that sees what's happening on our border and says, this is fantastic. Let them all in, let more in, and let's change the laws so that they can just quickly get to uh, a a legal pathway through some new means we'll create. And that's what we need to do because the system was broken under Trump. And, hey, if you are a migrant that spent – you know, years and thousands of dollars to do it the legal way. I mean, that was then, this is now, you should have just waited and crossed illegally and do the fast track version. That's what they, that's what they want. And Democrats are stuck between, wait a minute, which option on the menu do, does my constituents want? And I think, you know, sadly, the the dirty truth is we're not going to know the answer to that until after November elections next year.
0: Griff Jenkins, Fox News, Fox News Live. Catch him there every uh, weekend. His work, of course, in D.C. and on the border. Griff, an absolute pleasure. As always, stay safe and and Merry Christmas to you. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Merry Christmas. Told you John Fetterman was going to have words. And by the way, John Fetterman has words, not just words, sentences that make sense when it comes to U.S. steel selling to Nippon steel to Japan for 41, not 41, 14.1 billion dollars. We knew Western Pennsylvania would have an issue. We knew Pennsylvania would have a problem with this. We knew that politicos would be speaking out. And Senator Fetterman made the video. I'm standing on the roof of my home right here in Braddock,
1: Pennsylvania, right across the street from the Edgar Thompson plant. And I just have to say it's absolutely outrageous that they have sold themselves to a foreign nation and a
0: company. Can't do that. Steel is always about security as well too. And I am committed to doing anything I can do from using my platform or my position in order to block this. And I'm going to fight for the steel workers and their union way of life here as well, too. And we cannot ever allow them to be screwed over or left behind. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Uh, somebody had uh, sent me a, a tweet, a post on on X. Uh, the stroke fixed him. Now, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. And I'll say it again. That man should not have been senator. That man was not healthy. That man was not well. Lately, you can at least argue that, He's coherent. I don't know if I want to be the guy who stops all purchases of all companies, but there is a question to be asked about even Japan, clearly an ally, purchasing U.S. steel. Certainly, as he has spoken out about, just like we have, China is not allowed to own any U.S. companies at all in any way. China cannot own land in the United States. And he has been unbelievably staunch in his support uh, of Israel and his opposition to the bigotry and the Hamas lovers out there. And you're like, what what am I watching? What is happening? Look, he's a union guy, union town. Uh, Of course, he's going to question uh, this deal. The point is, this deal should be questioned. It should. It should. Uh, If you say to me, well, Tony, you're not much of a capitalist. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) And whoa. Foreign policy matters national security matters and it's very hard to have a capitalist nation if you allow other people to pick you apart so just for clarity i can fight this fight and i'll win but it's gonna be more than Fedeman who are saying this this sale of u.s steel gonna lead to a lot of questions and maybe there's an issue find everything at TonyCats.com. this is tony katz today
2: And the problem is, if you just do paid advertising, even if it's highly targeted advertising on social media, it is advertising. The president himself begins to need to to draw contrast. And he's not comfortable doing that. He wants to be president. He doesn't want to be a candidate. He wants to, you know, rise to the level of a statesman every day that I am taking care of the things you care about. He has got to start being a street brawler. He has got to start, every time he talks about health care, he needs to say, you know that Donald Trump wants to do away with it. Every time he talks about uh, climate change, you know that Donald Trump thinks
0: windmills kill birds. Um, So who wants to tell her? Who wants to tell her the problem with windmills? No, it's what I believe he said that windmills cause cancer. That Claire McCaskill would have worked. The birds thing. Yeah, yeah. Windmills are not the answer. But good job former senator tony katz tony katz today it's good to be with you joe biden's got real problems and his problem is coming from inside the house it isn't that you or i know that he's too old too frail too incapable too incompetent the economy doesn't work health care doesn't work the border doesn't work he can't take on china he can't keep uh, anybody safe it, it, the, the, the stories go on and on and on about what people think about him, feel about him, etc. There's no faith in him at all. The effort is on to replace him. But part of the problem, and we'll get to the replacement in a second. Part of the problem is that he doesn't understand that he's the problem. This was a group of voters put together by NBC... Uh, they said, hey, how can we find the biggest beta males possible and find ourselves a 20-something-year-old woman who wears a mask? And uh, here's what they'll tell you. Give me the emotion yeah. that you have in
4: looking at your choice this election.
0: Not not enthused. Uh, I'd say
4: overall I feel very pragmatic and strategic about it. All of these issues that that are popular with Democrats, he has not only not addressed, but often gone the entire opposite way on. I mean, I can look at like almost every issue in my head that's important to me. And I see a failure on Biden's part.
2: You can say that Joe Biden's, you know, he's not as progressive as you'd like, or he's not this, he's too old. I mean, the guy is at least reasonable and has some sort of logic to what he does and understands the basics of, I guess, how to be a president
4: in some ways. Even if I'm not enthused to like, effectively elect my grandpa a second time boy do i want to keep the other guy out if the election were tomorrow what would you do
1: i i don't think i'd vote for him i don't i wouldn't
4: i still couldn't you know obviously i could not bring myself to vote for trump but it would be the first time i think if i had to choose tomorrow it would be the first time i think i'd vote for someone else like third party Uh,
0: i think it's a problem when the woman has the lowest voice i'm just saying I think that's a a, a problem. By the way, on every issue, Joe Biden turns away from the Democratic Party. That's an argument saying that he is not left enough. Who as Axios explains, Biden doesn't understand how old he is and Biden doesn't understand how it looks. Biden will not accept it. Jill Biden is pushing him to do less. See, the problem, Joe, is that you're doing too much. You need to do less. I don't know how anybody can imagine him doing less. He's mad at his staff for not pushing the message that he's fine and that everything's going great. Jill Biden, according to Axios, absolutely involved daily saying that he's he's working too hard. Yeah, no one believes that. No one buys that. No one. And the Democratic Party has made it clear that the plan is to replace him. And you guys have been right from the very beginning. I said, and, I, and I've said it many times, uh, months ago, if they're going to replace him on the ticket, I mean, you got to get running in a primary. It's too, it, it's too late, you're you're not you're not moving fast enough. You're not moving quick enough. You're not getting this done. And what you said to me is Tony, Tony. They'll replace him at the convention. Won't even matter. And I said you're absolutely right. They'll replace him at the convention. Won't even matter. It will not matter. The convention will come and they will decide on somebody else. And that person will be accepted by the political left in half a second as clearly the choice. Why are you still talking about Joe Biden? That's what's going to come. And I keep saying it's going to be Michelle Obama. Oh, God. I know she doesn't like the stuff. but What does that matter? They can't pick Gavin Newsom. White guy is not going to make it happen. Kamala Harris?
1: <laughs> OMG.
0: Are you kidding me right now? I am not. It's not going to be Kamala Harris. Why would anybody not think that Michelle Obama is going to be at the top of a list? I, I think you're all weird. If, if you don't think Michelle Obama is at the, at the top of a list. But if you want more proof that the plan is to replace Joe Biden, that this is obvious, that Biden's party is working against him, which is to say the media is working against him, but I repeat myself, take a look at PJ Media. I, I Years ago, I used to work with PJ TV. PJ Media, Joe Biden's brother was caught on tape in FBI bribery sting. Now, if you want to read some insane reporting, real clear investigations talking about Sarah Biden. Sarah Biden is the sister-in-law. She's married to James, whose brother is Joe, who happens to be the president. And James Biden and Sarah Biden have been playing the whole Biden angle. And that's, they're the ones who wrote the checks, you know, repayment of loan, loan payback, and all $40,000 here, and this and that. Oh, dear Lord. Don't tell me there's no paper trail. Don't tell me there's no money moving hands. As a matter of fact, not only do I know it, not only do you know it, not only does the political left know it, but the FBI knows it. As Matt Margolis... Um, writes, the FBI has video evidence of James Biden, brother of Joe Biden, in 19, in the nineteen nineties, taking a bribe. Now, if this was just PJ Media, someone could dismiss it as oh, right wing. This, you know what I mean? Right wing. What, what? 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 Whatever. His reporting, Matt Margolis' reporting, and Matt Margolis is a nice guy. Full disclosure, Matt Margolis does did the formatting uh, of my book, Let's Go Barbecue, available at Amazon.com, perfect for Christmas. Get the Christmas gift now. Let's Go Barbecue, Let's Go Barbecue. I haven't been talking about it enough. I am terrible at selling books. He, he did the formatting. Nice guy, uh, good dude. The story that he's writing is based on reporting from the Washington Post. Now, I want you to take just a step back And think about that for a moment. The Washington Post has a report. The report from the Washington Post is that, yes, indeed, you've got Joe Biden, I'm sorry, Jim Biden, who was taking money from a... Lawyer in Mississippi named Richard Dickie Scruggs. That that, that was his name. And the money to uh, their company there, uh, Jim Biden and Sarah Biden, a hundred thousand uh, dollars. They they take this money because they're able to uh, provide influence. And the next thing you know, Joe Biden, who was an interested in a piece of legislation was suddenly interested in a piece of legislation and supported it because his brother got $100,000. So this idea that Joe Biden is a pay-to-play kind of guy starts to have a lot more credibility. That's not the part I want you to look at. The part I want you to look at is that this story comes from the Washington Post. It wasn't just a story. If if, if I remember it correctly, it wasn't just any story. It was a 4,000 word story. 4,000 words. Now, put that together. Are you telling me that the Washington Post the left-leaning Washington Post wrote 4,000 words about Joe Biden's brother taking a bribe that may have led to uh, the, the then-senator changing a vote on a piece of legislation? That is telling you something. That is a signal to the political left that Joe Biden is out. How could it not be? If it came from me, if it came from Daily Wire, if it came from Town Hall, someone could dismiss it as the political right. It comes from the Washington Post. And if it's coming from the Washington Post, the calls to remove him are coming from inside the house. The move is on to end his run. He got his term. There won't be a second. Do we want to place our bets? The story is not that we didn't know that Joe Biden is a duplicitous dude with a duplicitous family. This is obvious. The story is the Washington Post wrote four thousand words for it on a Sunday. Bloop, just just dropped it there. Four thousand words that if it had been about Trump, you would have you could not be breathing right now without hearing that story. So, now that we know that it's on, now that we know that it's happening, that it's moving. That clearly, without question, the objective is to move Joe Biden out. We know without question that the convention will come. He will be replaced. And now, it's by whom? Yes, I am saying that it will be Michelle Obama. Scream all you want. That's what I'm saying. But if you want to argue I'm wrong, over the course of the next couple weeks, uh, we will start, we'll we'll start really in January. We'll start putting together a list. Wait till you find out not only how small the list is, but how many people on that list you don't know anything about. And none of that will matter. Because the minute the decision is made, That person, and you will watch it happen in real time, Will you will be told that person is the greatest person who ever lived, ever. You're going to watch it happen. Because if the Washington Post wasn't the starting gun for most, it's the starting gun for the rest. I'm Tony Katz. Cigar of the Year and Bourbon of the Year. You guys know that in addition to everything I I do radio-wise, I host Eat, Drink, Smoke. It is uh, the largest and the biggest uh, cigar and bourbon review radio show in in the country, which is pretty cool. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And so we're coming out with our Cigar of the Year and our Bourbon of the Year shows, and I'm reviewing everything we've done. Over the last year and i'm I'm having real troubles real troubles deciding which which cigar it's 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 going to be i'm I've, I've there are some choices there are some really really good choices here and i don't i don't have the answer i don't have the answer yet what I do know is uh that uh Rashard Mendenhall's a racist. I have no idea what he's thinking, what he's doing, why he's 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 doing it. He, he played for the Steelers. He was a fine running back. Fine. He writes, I'm sick of average white guys commenting on football. Y'all not even good at football. Can we please replace the Pro Bowl with an all-black versus all-white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? I'm better than your goat. Now, goat is greatest of all time. And I don't know who he's referring to. I think what matters is what kind of racist nonsense is this? Rashard Mendenhall is a racist. He's a bigot. He's a jerk face. I don't know why he's, he's, he's doing this. But just for the sake of clarity, you guys know that we cover some sports here. I have been teaching myself how to do this because I'm sick and tired of the sports guys thinking they can get all into the politics like somehow they know what they're doing. The vast majority don't know what the hell they're doing. They sound like total morons. And I don't know why some people lap the stuff up. Some guys have, have figured it out because they understand the concept of take. They understand how to how to engage in phrasing. It's not just about some some high level screaming. A lot of guys just garbage, and they're all about the the, the left side because they want to be loved on the sports side as opposed to giving an honest commentary about the thing. Me, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm going to learn sports. They're not going to stop me from from getting involved and being able to do it. And I can now, I now know that I'm I'm, I'm at the place where I have a lot to learn to be able to do the fill in the gap stuff. Because you can't just jump to certain conclusions on these things. You gotta have a history. You gotta have an understanding of, of teams or 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 of a, or a philosophy. Uh, like like for example, when it comes to uh, college playoffs, I have so much to go in understanding the whole history there. There's a lot to, to to fill in the gaps. Using that as an example. But I know a bigot when I see one, and Rashard Mendenhall's a bigot. And uh, let's call me an average white guy, just in the the concept of sports, not in anything else. Uh, I'm not going to stop commenting, and I dare you to try and stop me, Richard. Now, I want this to get to him. I want him to understand that this is a weird thing to say. He's a bigot, and I'm not stopping. I don't know if he even means me, but I'm not stopping. What are you going to do to stop me? You're going to show up in my house? I'm right here. I'm right here and ready to go. Stop me. Stop anybody else. Let's see it. I don't know why he's doing this. I don't know why he's doing this. And people have just started ripping him apart. Yelling at him. Screaming at him. You're ridiculous. And then he posts a picture of himself holding the AFC championship trophy saying, I'm a champion. You, when you hold a Super Bowl trophy, you say you're a champion. The AFC Championship trophy? The hockey guys, when they win, they don't even touch the trophy. <laughs> they won't even look at it. Only thing that matters is the Stanley Cup. I think the story here is that this guy makes this comment and immediately the whole totality of ESPN isn't like, what a racist. If it had gone the other way, racist. They have nothing to say. I don't know I don't know where Jamel Hill is. Am I, am I supposed to find out what Jamel Hill has to say about uh, Richard Mendenhall? This comment is just there. It's totally fine. No issues. I don't know why we let bigotry pass if bigotry is wrong. Seems to me like something we shouldn't do. You don't let bigotry pass. You don't. But yet, in this case we will? Pretty gross if you ask me. I'm Tony Katz. If I were to read the mainstream media, I would learn that Catholicism is over, and and I don't I don't mean to say this to be like like shocking. I, that, that's not it. Catholics shocked by Pope's gay couples blessing. What blessing on same sex couples? Well, it's a reference to a document from the Vatican. And they're saying that it says that uh, those who are members of of the church can perform blessings upon those involved in a same-sex union. Except that's not actually what it says. And one wonders why this would be the headline in so many places if if that's not the case what is the point what is the purpose what is the value of trying to twist what it is the church is saying when it seems uh not claiming any level of expertise but it seems that the church on this one subject has remained steadfast even if pope francis sometimes says things off the cuff tony katz Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Ed Morrissey joins me right now of HotAir.com, where he is the editor in charge. We've talked about his book, uh, When It Comes to the Political Scene, Going Red, available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. You've got the piece. And 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 I give you the two headlines. The first was a headline, Catholic Shocked by Pope's Gay Couples Blessing. That was Newsmax. You, the headline, Media Mutters... No, Pope Francis did not okay blessings for same-sex relationships. Take us back, because this goes back to kind of like a a missive, like a a little note that the Pope wrote to a couple of cardinals, because I guess that's how they talk to each other, in regards to whether or not a blessing can be given to certain people. And that's what led to having this, this, this much larger piece of 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 rule written by uh, the, the Vatican. Talk to me about how this came about.
5: Well, first off, it starts like you said with uh, some comments that uh, Pope Francis made over the last couple of years regarding, you know, same people who are in same sex relationships. And actually, if you if we can take it back even farther, um, about a decade ago, or a little less than a decade ago, um, they had the synod on the family in Rome, where all the bishops and cardinals showed up to discuss these issues. Um, more about the idea of how do you promote the gospel to people who are in irregular situations, which is sort of the Vatican term for cohabiting heterosexual couples as well as uh, same-sex uh, you know, relationships. Um, and especially how do you talk to the families of those, um, of those who are in those relationships, the children who come out of those relationships and so on. And at the time, the media misreported this as a debate as to whether or not the church was going to recognize gay marriage and same-sex couples and cohabiting couples and allow the divorced and remarried to access the Eucharist. And that was, none of those things were actually on the table, on the Synod on the family. It was very specifically just about how do you make people feel welcomed enough so they can hear the message of the gospel. And it got misinterpreted repeatedly, and I was there on the ground for that. I was in the Vatican. I was reporting from the Vatican during the Senate on the family and um, and was able to correct the record at that time. So I have some familiarity with the way that this debate has evolved within the Vatican. And what happened more recently was that Pope Francis sent out some, am, some ambiguous signals. I mean, the, the criticism on this is um is, is probably well-deserved. Uh, oh, I would agree wondering. with
0: that wholeheartedly. Two things can be happening at the same time. That, that the Pope, Pope Francis, has been ambiguous on things. He has led Catholics to ask specific questions, and it has been frustrating. But on the conversation of where the church is uh, vis-a-vis same-sex marriage, that seems to be a common, straightforward thread. Well, yes.
5: And, and this is, I mean, this is part of the problem. This is what happens when you have a leadership that's not clear, right? You really need clarity on these matters because it, it matters. You don't want to put people in positions where they think that they're uh, they think that there's a certain acceptance that's going on that isn't, because it just makes people feel more bitter when they realize that that's, uh, that's not the case. So what happened was, is because of all this ambiguity, the dubia that you just referenced, which was the letters from the cardinal, the cardinals, I should say, to the pope, challenging him on these things. And uh, the pope sent a letter back saying, well, you know, we uh, we should be able to bless people without, you know, Uh, making sure that they're pure first, uh, required then the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, uh, which is the official theological arm of the Catholic Church, to issue a pretty detailed and fairly concrete um, declaration, and this is what came out yesterday, uh, saying what the nature of those blessings would be. And the, the nature of the blessing uh that is allowed is simply individual blessings on people regardless of what their status is and we see this all the time popes you know priests deacons bishops are asked to bless objects or asked to bless houses or asked to bless homes and none of that confers uh, any sort of sense of approval it is merely just to bless people so that they can become closer to god and And I think one of the reasons why the the media might be confused on this is because they have a secular definition of blessing, which which really does, you know, the secular definition means approval, right? Uh, But if you actually read the document, the document is very clear. This is not a blessing of approval. This is simply an individual blessing. It's called a spontaneous non-liturgical blessing that people get all the time. And priests give these out even to people who aren't Catholics, uh, to people who aren't even religious. They just simply, if, if somebody wants a blessing, they'll they'll give them a blessing. But so now let's now no... let's take
0: a moment. Let's take a moment, Talking yeah. to Ed Morrissey of hotair.com. The piece is over at hotair.com. The Pope responds to what's known as the dubia, D-U-B-I-A, of these two cardinals asking about this. Um, and, and this response is as you're discussing a differentiation between a blessing on a person to further bring them into the church versus a blessing of the union, and I want to yeah. get into where uh, the, the 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 Pope and and the Church were very very uh, clear and specific, and it happens in in, in multiple places that while there may be irregular situations that's the terminology they use and that's how they refer to a a same sex union that the blessing of a person the blessing of of trying to bring somebody to the church is a far different conversation than the liturgical side if you will about blessing the union itself which is the which is the what the Pope is saying they absolutely won't do break those two things down for me right. So again,
5: um, a liturgical blessing is the type of blessing that, that would happen uh, as you're presiding over a wedding, right? And it's not the only type of liturgical blessing. <clears throat> Ordination would be another liturgical blessing, right? It's, it's something that comes from the book of blessings that is part of the actual liturgy of the church. And it's, those are formal. They confer certain, you know, certain um, uh, official recognitions that um, that spontaneous blessings do not, and so the, the the letter the declaration is very clear that these cannot be liturgical blessings. They have to be of the different category. The spontaneous blessings on the individuals involved, even if you're doing it two at a time, these blessings are just blessings on individuals so that they can become closer to God, and that's all the meaning that that uh, is resonant within them. And the reason why they had to do this is because some priests, particularly in Germany, were actually blessing unions. They were showing up at the ceremonies to bless the, the, the couples in their um in their unions because of the ambiguities that was that Pope Francis had left. And so this letter is actually a restriction. They're trying to tell priests, you can't do that anymore. The only type of blessings that you can give are the spontaneous non-liturgical blessings on the individuals and not on the relationship, which they say several times, as you noted. They say several times in the document. And if you actually read the document and you have any understanding (laughs) of what blessings mean in the Catholic Church, um, you become very quickly educated that this is actually specifically saying that you can't bless same-sex unions you can't bless cohabiting relationships it's impossible to do
0: and let me give you from (laughs) from your article is section 39 within the letter itself sent out by the pope and i'm quoting in any case precisely to avoid any form of confusion or scandal when the prayer of blessing is requested by a couple in an irregular situation again that terminology coming up i continue the quote even though it is expressed outside the rites prescribed by the liturgical books, this blessing should never be imparted in concurrence with the ceremonies of a civil union and not even in connection with them, nor can it be performed with any clothing, gesture, or words that are proper to a wedding. The same applies when the blessing is requested by a same-sex couple. In, in, in a world of, of, of non-clarity, that's a clear statement. It's a very clear statement, and and the reason why they
5: use irregular situations is because this isn't just about um, you know lesbians and gays. This is about anybody who is not in a in a uh, family relationship that is that fits within Catholic doctrine, which means a man and a woman married in a church um, uh, that are open to open to life, who have not been married uh, before unless they've had an annulment uh, through the church. So there's a number of these situations where this where this teaching has to apply. It's same-sex marriages, same-sex relationships certainly fall under that, <clears throat> uh, but also people who are cohabiting in a heterosexual relationship. They can't have that relationship blessed either. Divorced uh, Catholics who remarry without an annulment, they can't have that relationship blessed either, and that's <clears throat> the reason why they use the irregular situations um, Uh, you know, terminology so that it's clear that it applies across the board because it's all based on the same issue. These are not relationships that fit into the Catholic definition of marriage, which is liturgical and which has a formal liturgical blessing as part of the wedding ceremony. Um, And I would say, though, that the fact that they mention separately same-sex couples shows that they are emphasizing that point with the priests and deacons and bishops that had been, uh, trying to work this into their, um, uh, you know, work this into their own practices. They are telling them to stop. That it is entirely illegitimate and that they are not allowed to do that. Now, whether or not they enforce it and how they enforce it
0: is another matter. And th- and that's but just that, it, <clears throat> right? That's, that's always the question. But I think we come back to Ed talking to Ed Morrissey of hotair.com com. Uh, how did the mainstream media, and and by the way, people who we would consider, quote unquote, on our side of the political aisle, how did they get it so wrong? Or maybe better to the point, why did they want to get it so wrong?
5: Well, I think that's the question. And I think that there's some legitimate reasons why people on our side of the aisle are very suspicious of Pope Francis. So they're not necessarily following... You know the church debates. They're not really necessarily terribly familiar with Catholicism in some cases, and and even among Catholics, maybe they're not really familiar with the the what has gone on previously in terms of the synod and the family and some of these debates within the Vatican, and especially as it relates to the German Church, which is a whole other <laughs> a whole other topic. Uh, but um, the um, I, I think people on our side of the aisle saw this as a yet another. Piece of evidence that Pope Francis is a radically leftist progressive. Um, and, um, and look, I mean, I, I don't, I, I sympathize with that point of view, but that's not what's happening here. And I think that they would have been better served to hold their fire a little bit and actually read what the document says. Now, Michael Brendan Doherty over, at the, uh, over at NRO did read the document and he still has criticisms of how this has been handled. And I think that those criticisms are valid you know, by having Pope Francis introduce all of this confusion and ambiguity first, and then having to emphasize this, and it just creates the notion that the Catholic Church is paying lip service to actual doctrine while not doing much about how priests and <clears throat> other ordained are practicing it. I think that that's a, I think that's a fair concern. And so there is some of this criticism that's certainly um, valid. but the but picking up on what the media reports and and not checking up to make sure that it actually matches up with what has happened at the Vatican is a mistake. And that's just it. It's just a mistake to do that.
0: And I think that's the I think that's where the story is going to go. The idea that there will be priests and others who will not follow, the Vatican teachings the Vatican straightforward statements here because they think they're nicer or kinder or they're more social justice as opposed to following the church and and I think that yes it is okay to criticize Pope Francis as many many have and I think that that is where the real the real break is but I wanted to make sure at least from a rules perspective we had an understanding of what actually got said within the document Ed Morrissey is his name hotair.com check out the story media mutters no Pope Francis did not okay blessings for same sex relationships it is there at hotair.com and always a pleasure more to get to I'm Tony Katz this is Tony Katz today I'm thinking it might be time to retire the air tag because it's another day and another story of this thing from Apple being used to stalk people. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, this is a story out of Knightstown, Indiana, not too far from where I'm at right now. A woman telling police that she can't understand how her ex-boyfriend just shows up at stores she's at a restaurants she's at and, and is harassing her. Uh, the documents from a court saying that this guy once ambushed her at a restaurant while she was having dinner with her parents showed up when she was working out at a Planet Fitness, claiming she he just happened to be driving by. And then, she found the Apple AirTag hidden inside a magnetic key box, stuck to the frame of her car. He broke up. She broke up with him. He couldn't take it. Boop. Kept following. Look. There are ways people track people all the time, and it's creepy. Uh, of all the things that really do creep me out, it, it, it's, it's never hate mail. It's, it's, it's not really a death threat, although I take them seriously. I don't get them often. I Every now and then I get something like, okay, I need to contact somebody. I don't get it much. Like, other people get far worse, far worse in real ways than, than I do. And I've never been stalked. That's the one that freaks me out. The stalking thing, that is scary on scary, on scary, and yes, the, the, this AirTag thing—it it makes that easy. It makes following somebody—it's it, very easy. This is—it's—it's it's a dangerous tool, and—and and I don't personally use them, and I—I I am aware of them. I do actually check for them. It's super creepy, and one wonders whether or not it really is necessary in, in our lives. Apple should be asking that question as well. This is Tony Katz today.
2: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: Live from the heartland and the crossroads
0: of America, it's Tony Katz today. The border is the top story in America. We only talk about it all the time. Everything we did last week with Border Week, presented by Americans for Prosperity, talking about the, the issues with uh, the wall, what people don't understand about it, the, the factors that, that pull people to the United States, the policy failures in multiple areas, and, and most importantly, that you can't get Congress to come together on this. You can't get people to come to the table. That there's far more of an interest when it comes to the border in having the problem than in solving the problem. But the problem is, we're the ones dealing with it. We deal with the fentanyl. We deal with the the economic disaster. And now what we're seeing over these last weeks in places we don't normally see them, like Lukeville, Arizona, and places throughout where it's much harder to get to, we are seeing massive surges. So much so that rail service... Two of these ports of entry have now been stopped. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. Griff Jenkins joins us from foxnews.com, uh, who's been covering the border before anybody even thought it was cool to do. He's in D.C. right now where he's been uh, gathering the information and speaking to his sources uh, on the ground. I do want to get into this Lukeville situation because it's, just, it's not a name you hear about. It's not a place you talk about when it comes to the border. But lately, we're talking about the past 72, 96 hours. This has been a surreal amount of people. What is it that Border Patrol is experiencing?
3: So Tony, uh, thanks for having me because it is so important to be talking right now. I have been covering along with my colleague Bill Malusion for years now, uh, and certainly in the last two plus years of this, what border patrol agents tell me is an unmitigated disaster on the border. But but today, when you see on Fox the shots from Eagle Pass, Texas, where they have, and I was just there for ten days just came back to Washington, hopefully get the lawmakers in this town to pay a little bit of attention, you've got a situation where they have never experienced this in a single day ever. This administration, Tony, and I'm not one given for hyperbole, but this administration is allowing the Border Patrol to be pushed to a breaking point the likes of which they've never seen. In Eagle Pass, under that bridge, all those migrants, they told me this morning they've got 4,500-plus that are being processed and transported to a facility called Firefly, intended to house just under 2,000. They've already got 5,300 in custody there. The number of Border Patrol agents on the ground there dealing with that on this shift this morning is 20 You got 10,000 migrants that are having to be dealt with by 20 agents. That's 200 to 1 and worse. The capacity in that facility is 260% over, which means they can't go into the giant temporary tents they built. They're stuck in the overflow yard at the facility where they're trying to deal with them to transport them, process them, and ultimately send them somewhere else, most of which will be released into the U.S. with a notice to appear with a court date years from now, and that's going to be increasingly accelerated in, in the next coming days because it's not just an Eagle Pass where I was. You mentioned Lukeville. In Lukeville, they're getting hammered. In the last 24 hours across the entire southwest border, I reported this this morning. There was more than 12,600 migrant encounters, the highest number ever hit. The previous one set last week was 12,300. They've now topped that by 300 more. In Lukeville, Arizona, which is part of the Tucson sector, last 24 hours, more than 3,000 there. And most of those aren't from countries like Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, where we typically have been dealing with them, they're from Africa. These are people that take an enormously larger amount of effort to process because they're coming from so far away when they're from places like Syria, Lebanon, Egypt, Iran, Russia. They're special interest migrants, which means they get a secondary uh, uh, probe to see if they're a match to the terror screening database, and they have to be detained. But there's no place to hold them so they're literally just being held in 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 a field where you're seeing it this this is a breaking point that is far beyond sustainable and it's only getting worse with more and more coming why is that well the reason is because the transnational criminal organizations or cartels realize how much of a breaking point this is, and they're exploiting our vulnerabilities, all because this administration's policies that have brought this on us. And so today is unlike any other day. We've seen it day after day become a crisis, but today is is the worst of all the days. So imagine you had a two and a half year bad situation. Well, it's the worst today than it was ever. Eagle Pass, Texas, Lukeville, Arizona, you pointed out exactly correctly, Tony. These are tiny little areas that didn't see this. In December of 2022, last year, there was barely 600, 700 tops migrant encounters in either of those places. Now you're looking at a daily
0: average of 3,000-plus on the Eagle Pass right now, and yet upwards of 5,000 that just crossed. And this, Griff, is exactly the question. Talking to Griff Jenkins of Fox News, someone saw this. These people aren't crossing in these areas by accident. It, it, It seems obvious to those of us who who are not as connected as you are even, uh, that people are crossing specifically because these areas are easier places to cross or have more opportunity to get people into the country. So the question is, who's informing these people to cross in these spots?
3: Without a doubt. This is as organized, as uh, uh, assembly line driven, with Amazon efficiency, I would tell you by the cartels, by the TCOs. And I will say, because I, I do have so many contacts in Mexico, I, I feel it's important to point out it's not true that Mexico is just looking the other way. They have tried, but their i m which is Mexico's version of the Border Patrol, they're out of money. They literally ran out of money because the crisis has so broken them. They're done. There's very little they can even do if they wanted to. Now, there is some fair criticism that there's a lack of will in, in, in knocking it down in Mexico, but it's not entirely a lack of will. But what's happened now, because the crisis has gone on for so long, they're out of resources altogether, so they can't help us even if they wanted to. And so that's allowed on the Mexican side for the migrants to be completely organized and controlled by cartels because they're at their, at their whim. And most of them have traveled for months and have been robbed or they're out of money, they're poor. They're completely at the disposal of the cartels. So of course they're gonna go exactly where they should go. But here's the problem. And it's what my friend, and Mexican independent journalist Auden Cabello calls it, the selfie factor. At the end of the day, for the crisis we're talking about, draining so many resources, all of these migrants, most of them you saw in in these drone photos, as soon as they crossed to the US, they took a selfie, sent it back to family and friends who were thinking about making that trip, put it on Facebook, the message sent to those behind them that'll soon be coming, it said, come on, I made it, I got across the finish line, You can, too. It's like me running a marathon knowing you want to run the marathon, Tony. And you knew I wasn't in great shape, but I finished it. And I'm standing there with my medal smiling ear to ear saying, I did it. You can, too, Tony. Come on.
0: Talking to Griff Jenkins from Fox News Channel, uh, co-anchor of Fox News Live there on, on weekends. We keep hearing from the administration that uh, the border is not in crisis, and they're fixing a broken system. Um, You uh, writing about this, talking about how Migrant Encounters is just a few days ago, top $10,000, $10,000, 10,000 people in in a a single day. This is all happening right now as, as the prologue, to the Republicans in the house talk about your work there uh, in in DC and in the Senate saying we're not going to engage any Ukraine funding until there's border funding and you have James Langford of Oklahoma uh, the senator leading part uh, of of that charge is there resolve amongst Chuck Schumer and the Democrats to accept the idea that money is going to have to flow to the border because this situation is seen by the American people and polling and other things as wholly untenable.
3: Yeah, I look, there is, I think it's fair to say, Tony, there is undoubtedly now a recognition on Capitol Hill from Chuck Schumer in the Senate to Democrats all across the House that are recognizing, you know what? to heck with how this affects the 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 president and my fellow Democrat incumbent in his polls, I'm not going to get reelected if I do nothing. And it's clear that the only thing that is going to offset the inaction of the federal government is going to be some congressional resolve. And you know, I think that once Republicans were willing to die on the hill of Ukraine funding for something to be done. You're lo- you're starting to see the contours of an actual Senate bill, which you know, uh, of course, does the funding. And look, even with a priority on mass releases, you still need more agents because I just gave you the two hundred to one twenty agents dealing with it's a frightening 5, number of migrants. But 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 here's the here's the rub, and this is the point. Even if the contours of a Senate bill are starting to come with a higher level uh, threshold for credible fear, factor for asylum, all the way uh, to, to, to mass deportations and, and all of that, and, and faster asylum hearings, you're still dealing with the House Republicans who passed. This HR 2, which is way farther than the Senate will. So ultimately, you're going to have this, well, we tried and we couldn't get there, which has been the history of any kind of immigration reform in Washington for the last two decades. And so I have little faith that they're going to get anything done, even if they passed a Senate bill, that it can pass the House right now. And that's just unfortunate. For the country, it's facing a national security threat, not my words. That's what basically every Border Patrol official has told me for the last year and a half. But it's also uh, a dreadful news for those men and women in green of the Border Patrol from Texas through Arizona to California that are just exhausted and overwhelmed dealing with this crisis, knowing
0: there's real no – sign of things changing anytime soon before i let you go a real, really quick you talk about possibly not seeing movement in in, in the house you've got representative henry Cuellar, democrat from texas who's been very clear that we need more work done on the border you have people talking about the border in terms of the the citizenry there's no pressure on those uh democrat members uh, of the house to try and 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 make a move here no pressure coming from the people when you see th- your reporting this kind of reporting Two hundred to no, one? I think you're, I think you're right. I, I think there's I think there's great
3: pressure and it's even growing on Democrats like Henry Cuellar, who's tried to walk the fine line and has called uh, for for more to be done. But 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 at the end of the day, you have to recognize there is a progressive Hispanic caucus in in Congress that sees what's happening on our border and says, this is fantastic, let them all in, let more in, and let's change the laws so that they can just quickly get to uh, 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 a legal pathway through some new means we'll create. And that's what we need to do because the system was broken under Trump. And hey, if you are a migrant that spent you know, years and thousands of dollars to do it the legal way. I mean, that was then, this is now, you should have just waited and crossed illegally and do the fast track version. That's what they, that's what they want. And Democrats are stuck between, wait a minute, which option on the menu do, does my constituents want? And I think, you know, sadly, the, the dirty truth is we're not going to know the answer to that until after November elections next year
0: griff jenkins fox news fox news live catch him there every uh, weekend his work of course in dc and on the border griff an absolute pleasure as always stay safe and and merry christmas to you more coming up i'm tony kass merry christmas
2: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy
1: Now I want
3: to zoom out and talk a little bit about the last three years, because I think it bears
5: repeating that when President Biden took office about three years ago, the biggest concern at the time around the nation's airlines was whether they would be able to stay in business. And at the time, we were thinking about how many years or decades it would take for the U.S. aviation sector to recover. Instead, what happened was that the entire economy, including the aviation sector, recovered swiftly during the Biden economic recovery, which, of course, included demand coming
0: back faster than most forecasters had thought possible. Did, did, did he just say the Biden economic recovery? Is this, is this a new bit of terminology? We're now calling it the Biden economic recovery? What's the matter? Bidenomics wasn't, wasn't doing the job? They weren't. You weren't selling that. So now it's the Biden economic recovery. Oh, holy hell! Tony Katz. Tony Katz. Today, it's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. By the way, here's here's the Biden economic recovery. Target blamed theft and violence for nine store closures. Crime is higher at locations it kept open nearby. Now. That would tell you that, look, they blame the, 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 these closures over here, but the crime is worse over here. And it's like, ah, you see, Target's not telling the truth. The crime is higher in the places than they closed So we're admitting that crime has grown in the Biden economic recovery. There's more theft in the Biden economic recovery. And of course, there are businesses that have suffered because of the Biden economic recovery because it's coupled with the Biden don't give a damn about crime. What kind of madness is this from Pete Buttigieg? Is this now the Svengali move to get everybody to say, oh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Joe Biden's the way to go for the economic future. Isn't that right, CNBC?
1: Those who are optimistic now and for the future, just
0: 15% now. And for the year, now, by the way, this is up a little bit on the quarter, but this is the year for the average. 66% being pessimistic now and for the future is a record high in the 17 years we've been doing this. So we've never
1: found people more depressed.
0: 66% according to the All-America Economic Survey from CNBC, pessimistic about the economy, while I have Pete Buttigieg, the smarmiest dude, I should say one of, I mean, how do you judge talking about the Biden economic recovery? There is no economic recovery. Now, this all does play into a story about how CNBC found that retail sales were good retail sales for the holidays were good and they found that for for a, a group of people spending was way up and overall spending was up i've been staring at this i have been staring at this and wondering how this was going to play out and 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 hearing about these good numbers i'm like i'm i'm at a bit of a lost kitten where is it coming from and i asked the question well does this mean that it's people who Had to spend more because, uh, see the cold? Did you feel that? Did you hear that? That's my my voice right there. I'm almost out. I'm almost out. Were they spending more because of inflationary pressures? Were they spending more because, well, they, they had to to get the good, or were they actually saying they had more free cash, they had more expendable income, they could buy more things? Which might be true for some. But isn't true for most. In, in, in any cycle, there are people who do well. Uh, there are people who in the Great Depression made money. The, in, in any cycle, it's possible to do well. But that doesn't mean that people are doing well. And so it, it becomes this 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 really weird kind of philosophy. That if you want to be the, the, the Pete Buttigieg and the Joe Biden and talk about how everything is getting better... You have to do so at the expense of the people who clearly are not doing better in this economy. You have to forget about them to try and tell a story that other people will somehow buy into and think as valuable and motivate them to a future. I don't think that's going to work for Joe Biden. No, I think for Joe Biden, much of the writing is on the wall from his own party. You'll hear me talk about it in the days ahead. This is Tony Katz today. district has brought with it controversy this is that whole area they're in lebanon or Whitestown and eli lily's gonna have a place and business is coming and well what was actually done in the in uh, what's the word the organization of this thing and and, and what people were were informed, and were the residents of Lebanon and Whitestown those other areas informed that this land was going to be purchased up, and, and then things were going to be annexed, and then what is this whole thing about the water, and they're going to pump the water in from, from Tippecanoe County? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Uh, this whole thing about LEAP, I mean, this started from people emailing me. When we started discussing LEAP, we got emails, I got Emails from people. They took this land. No one ever discussed it with the people of Lebanon. No one ever discussed it with the people of Whitestown or anywhere else. They just took the land, and then you hear about the water, at the at the expense, if you will, and then they're going to take water out of tip of canoe. out of out of out of the, out of the, the Wabash. They're going to they're going to pipe it in, and then you get the the governor saying we're going to have the Indiana Finance Authority take a look at this. And it seems like they're providing cover for moving the water for these businesses, taking it away from citizens. A group called Citizens Action Coalition thinks the moving of the water is dangerous, and the mayor of Lebanon comes out, Matt Gentry to say as reported by wish tv that their report is disingenuous the mayor joins us right now matt gentry joins us the mayor of lebanon indiana it's it's good to have you here with us uh i know that you had reached out to say hey i want to talk about this happy to have you on the show Let, let's start with a a baseline when did the LEAP District, L-E-A-P, when did the LEAP District start coming up in conversation, and how do you describe to your citizenry its purpose?
4: Yeah, thanks, Johnny. Thanks for having me on. Um, well, and first to start off, too, the, I would clarify, too, the land wasn't taken. You know, the people that owned the property were agreed to a sales price. So the IDC doesn't have any domain authority, so their, the land wasn't taken. So let's, let's kind of make sure we're clear here. Um, you know, I would say this all started back, um fall of 2021 um you know we started hearing ru- rumors about you know someone was buying all this land um you know we know what's happening um and then finally you know i actually was reached out to by the secretary of commerce uh, his team um kind of in early winter to set up a meeting kind of mid-february and then we were going to have that meeting he got ill so we got rescheduled to march 1st um, and then of course while this is all happening you know we're seeing legislation going through the legislature Bill 361 at the time um, that allowed, kind of enabled the IDC to do these innovation development districts. We kind of tied the two together, so kind of figuring out what was happening. But March 1st is when I met with the governor and they kind of briefed me on what the vision was for LEAP to how do we compete, how does Indiana compete for next generation jobs of the future and economies of the future and provide you know opportunities for people today and kids and grandkids tomorrow. So um, March 1st, 2022 is when it started. Um, Eli Lilly announced it will be coming to Lebanon in, in May of 2022. Um, they broke ground here in April of 2023. Um, you know, and there's there's still additional leads coming in all the time. So um, this has certainly not been a uh, this has been a fairly. I mean, from a scale of this, it's certainly been a, a quick process. Uh, but it's certainly not been something that's kind of happened uh, overnight. There's been lots of discussions, lots of meetings um, when this all started. You know, the area wasn't in the city of Lebanon, so it had to be annexed in. It was 100% voluntary annexation requested by the property owners as part of this. So um really i think this has been actually done in a a, a very transparent way but uh, as, as you just stated
0: like, sir i want to make sure i'm yeah. i'm following the state came to you it wasn't this was not a a conversation that built out of, out of lebanon and, and the area that say hey we think we have an opportunity here the state acquired land and the or or the state wanted to acquire land and then came to you yep. about annexation yeah, so I mean, I
4: mean, I mean for a long time right, Lebanon we've just where we're positioned, right, right on I65 halfway between Lafayette and Annapolis, right. You know, when I first ran for mayor years ago, how do we leverage this, how do we plan for our future? We know growth is going to come our way, right? Um but we never would have imagined this type of, you know, research triangle type development coming to Lebanon. That was not something we really even could have done locally. So yeah, this I mean the state came to us. They said, "Hey, this is our this is our idea to how do how do we make sure Indiana compete for the next twenty to fifty years um, in the in, in specific industries of the future, and so that was they were the kind of the ones that you know assembled all the land, and uh, partly because of Boone County was so restrictive on how um, you know people could use their land that it actually made it easy to get you know eight thousand nine thousand some acres with a relatively few uh, number of property owners. I mean, this is in Hamilton County you know, you'd have probably four thousand property owners in, in this area. So um, that's it's kind of Boone County's own fault a little bit because we were so restrictive on on, on growth here in Boone County.
0: Talking to Matt Gentry, the mayor of Lebanon, uh, Indiana. Uh, it, it's it's it seems from from the conversation that while you were not opposed to any of this, uh, you were told this. The state said, "Here's what we are doing." Did they need you to engage the annexation, or could they have moved forward to this on their own? And was there anybody within Lebanon, your your office or others, who said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold up! What about X? What about Y? What about Z?" I mean,
4: you no, know, they needed they needed the city of Lebanon to act here, right? Because um, one, you know, my I have a policy that we don't extend city utilities outside city limits, right? And so, obviously, if we want to attract large companies like this, they're going to need water, wastewater, right? Um, so, you know, certainly there was something that I had initially had a lot of questions about, um, you know, and the annexations didn't really start until the summer of 2022, anyway, because for a while. We were working with the county to have them try to, you know, how to, you know, is it best under their jurisdiction, is it best under ours, do, you know, do we craft a, a planning new development for this, do all these things. Um, so it really was kind of a long process there, um, and it was certainly not a, a something that happened quickly. But it, it was, you know, you know, when I look at it from my standpoint of, of, of what's in, you know, what's in the business of my citizens of the city of Lebanon and the people that live there, um, you know, bringing this type of investment, I mean, when you bring in, you know, billions of dollars in investment, that's going to have a dramatic impact on, on people's property taxes. I mean, we're actually in the in a position to potentially do um, property tax rebates for people once, once Lily is paying property taxes, because, you know, frankly, we won't be able to spend all the money that's generated from, from LEAP. So um, we're putting that right back into people's pockets. So certainly from a Lebanon citizen perspective, um, th- there are huge benefits with LEAP. I understand the the concerns that other people have that live in the rural parts of, of outside of Lebanon that aren't you know, annex in the city um, because we're not forcing people to be annexed. They don't want to be. So I understand that if they're opposed to it. And I understand that's changing.
3: Um,
4: but, you know, the, at the end of the day, though, right, Do you, we have to believe in property rights. If the property owner chooses to sell, whether that's to the state or some other entity, they have that right to do it. And so then there's a process to go through of how do we, you know, based on what the owner wants to do with the land,
0: and how do you manage not-
4: that and how do you zone it?
0: And I'm not in any way arguing uh, a property rights here, talking to Matt Gentry, the mayor of Lebanon, Indiana. I'm saying based on how you describe it, uh, this was brought to you and said, hey, you need to annex this property as opposed to, hey, we have this idea. What do you think? It's certainly from the conversation seems much more of a forced upon you uh, subject. Well, but I want to get into this part, two, which is about the water and the water that is necessary for some of these companies to be able to run their their, their business. You speak to, you talk about the IEDC, Brad Chambers, who's now a candidate uh, for governor, who is on record saying that we have a lot of water in Indiana. Um, you have uh, the governor's office, Governor Holcomb's office, now saying that the finance authority needs to do a study on this, which for a lot of people seems to be a backward step. You already agreed to move the water, and now you're looking for a way to engage why you need to move the water. But there was a group. Citizens Action Coalition, Wish TV, had the reporting. Uh, Their report says the the LEAP district puts Hoosiers' access to water at risk. You say the opposite is true. Here is the quote Mm -hmm. attributed to you. Quote, it's far more likely that rates will not increase because of LEAP. The state is trying to use economic development to solve a much larger central Indiana water problem. What is the larger central Indiana water problem?
4: Yeah, so really since... Even the early 2000s, but especially since 2020 2014 since the Indiana Chamber did a water study, um, essentially it says that Indiana Indianapolis area so the nine, you know, nine Donut County areas around Indianapolis, um, we will be out of water sources for growth by 2050. So the, if we don't find bringing water from some other region or some other area of the state central Indiana by 2050, um, no more growth, no more houses, no more businesses, no more nothing. Um, that's a looming, that's a huge looming problem that we have. Um, and so the concept with LEAP, obviously with Lebanon being halfway between Lafayette and Indianapolis, um, you know, back in the early 2000s, the state identified, said, Hey, there's two major sources that we could bring water in the Indianapolis area. Um, either the Lafayette area with the Wabash river or Brookville over on the Ohio river. And those are kind of the two options because that's where you could get enough water to do this. So the concept that the, that the state is using the IEDC, um, having these investments from these large companies you know some of these you know the semiconductor facility would be a 10 i mean 50 billion dollar investment um and what's different of what i think what the cac missed is that because of the legislation the idc has to create these what are called innovation development districts they can capture the property taxes generated by that facility and use that for infrastructure so that could fund the construction of a fairly expensive pipeline to go to lafayette and bring that to lebanon and then we're essentially more we're almost halfway there because whitestown has citizen has gets water from citizens energy. So, you know, they're not far away from us at all. So we're, we're, we're pretty close to connecting the, connecting the path there. Um, and so once you get into citizen system, then you can serve all of Indianapolis with that. So obviously it's more, but I, I, the but, but, but high level,
0: the, 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 that's the high level. Here's, here's a, a different way to, to look at it, sir. The people of Tippecanoe County may, they may want to engage growth. And what the state is saying is that this growth is more important than somebody else's growth, than your growth, Tippecanoe, than your growth, Lafayette, than your growth, uh, o- o- over over there. How do you respond to that?
4: Well, I, I don't think that's true. One, because also, I mean, the, the first thing this there's not the pipeline is not guaranteed, right? And I think that's being missed in a lot of this. The people are assuming this is a done deal, and that's absolutely not the case. One, they have to prove the water is there, right? So they're 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 doing tests now to, to determine what is what water is available, right, and what is the Amount that could that could be moved if we needed it to, um, and then two, you need a user to justify that cost, right? So you can't just move the because I mean, again, if we don't have the economic development paying for the pipeline, that's where it's going to be burdening ratepayers. That's when it's going to be impacting people because again, we're and that's going to that's going to happen before 2050 at some point because it has to be done somehow. So, you know, LEAP, again, is our best option to avoid that type of rate increase for, for citizens because then that's where the economic development is paying for the pipeline. So, I, again, they are doing all of what they need to be doing from a testing standpoint. You know, they're, they've, they've finished kind of half the testing. They're finishing the second testing, I believe, around this time as well, too. Um, the report should be out early 2024, and then there's kind of a larger conference r- report for the whole region, fall of 2024 coming. So this is not happening tonight tomorrow it's it's not it's not it's a they are still going through the process they're doing the science and they will be able to calculate of, of what makes sense so um, I don't think once they do all the do all the testing and and, and go through that process um, Lafayette will have what they need as well because I mean the early results are showing that there is a prolific amount of water in that area
0: my thanks to mayor Matt Gentry of Lebanon for joining the show look I'm I'm here to tell you that there are clearly people who feel that their their thoughts were completely dismissed that 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 nothing was given uh, to them and it is obvious uh, you know fr- from this conversation the, the water conversation is interesting you move the water to where you need it for for the growth as opposed to saying well you can't move it uh, i'm not opposed to the moving i'm only asking a question of how it was done and how it affects uh, other other future growth are you hurting one to help the other right hurting one area to help the other but it seems very obvious to me that the whole land conversation of leap this leap district this was this was the state of indiana saying hey we're doing this um you need to do this thing for us you know it's a little technical thing but you have to get it done i mean i look you you can go back and listen to the interview and you should i think that is the way he just, uh, the, the the mayor, Matt Gentry, just explained it. And I do, I appreciate him coming on. I appreciate him calling in and saying, hey, you were talking about this. So I, I, I have comment to it. I think that's great. Uh, p- politicos don't reach out a- a- enough. Too many people way too afraid to have the conversation. But I don't think I'm reading that wrong. It seems obvious to me that what has happened here is that he got a call and said, hey, we're doing this thing. You need to do X, Y, and Z. Now the question is, should he have done X, Y, and Z? That's that's the only question. And and I'm going to say just make sure I'm on the record. and I, I'm already on the record, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. I think these kinds of um, setups are valuable. I do. I do think they're helpful. I do think they're good. I do think they create long-term opportunity. I'm not in favor of anything that starts with, well, don't worry about those little Hoosiers. Don't worry about those little people. We're going to have to do this big planning, and they'll just have to figure it out. you got to sell people on ideas. I like big ideas, and some of them seem a little nutty, and sometimes you got to push. But you can't say, you know what? Pat on the head, pat on the head. We're just going to do this. You'll thank us later. That I have real issue with. This is Tony Katz today.
5: You've got the far left that they are absolutely for open borders. They they don't want to see any limitations at all in this, but you've got a significant number of Democrats that are also coming on board. As you see in all the national polls now, uh, the number one issue in the country is the economy. The number two issue in the country is illegal immigration. That's across Republicans and Democrats alike, where they see this as a major issue that has to be resolved. So there are more and more Democrats that are coming on board saying, I may not like the solutions, but we've got to actually do something to be able to solve this. We're trying to pull that group of Democrats in to say, come on, let's actually solve this issue on this and to be able to protect the nation.
0: That is Senator James Lankford, who is helping with the negotiation on both border funding and Ukraine funding. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, uh, I think he has it wrong. The economy is not the number one issue in the country. I'm not going to disagree that people don't pay attention to their pocketbook, but I think that if, if you really... Dig deeper to to what actually creates issue for us. It's the border. And that's that for me. That's saying something. But I, I I haven't even with everything with with the economy, even with everything with with Israel and the terrorists, Hamas who need to be destroyed, even with everything, China, everything, Ukraine, Russia. I haven't I haven't moved. I have not moved my center that the border is 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 everything because I think the border is a so much a, a creator of all the other. All the other issues. Now, I'm not saying that the border is the reason for inflation, but if you want to understand costs and spending and, and out-of-control spending and effects on local economies and effects on, on local budgets, th- th- this is it. The border is it, and that's why I say so. It's the story. And negotiations for how much funding there's going to be, I don't care about Ukraine until I care about the border. And I, And I'm a guy who's okay with providing bullets and... and 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 tanks to Ukraine. The border comes first. The biggest story in America. I'm glad people are starting to come around to where we are, guys. Find everything at TonyCats.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.